Welcome to another edition of An Inquiry into Freedom with your hosts, Ron and Alan. So we were talking uh, briefly prior to going on the air about how the narrative has changed with... So more and more is coming out as these uh, committee hearings go on and the investigation into Hunter Biden and the Biden family goes deeper and deeper. And they've switched it up. And you were saying uh, something about how they went from, oh, I had no... You say it much better, so go ahead. Oh. Well, the uh, where I was going with this was, you said something about the police were trying to see if he was remaining consistent with his story or not. And I said also that they will all probe to see if someone's really remembering something. Right. Because I have a, a memory issue from brain injury, brain injuries, and don't always remember things. And sometimes being asked kind of the same question, only with a different perspective on it, helps jog my memory. Mm-hmm. And when they're cross-examining someone or, or uh, interrogating someone or just interviewing someone, that just because someone keeps asking you what seemingly is the same question over and over again, they're really they sometimes they are trying to catch you in a lot. Yeah. But but also sometimes they're making sure that they've covered every angle because especially someone in a traumatic situation, they may not remember everything. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to trigger a memory. And it's important to realize that when someone's being interviewed by, especially police, uh, if you've witnessed something, because right. it's annoying as hell when someone's answering, you know, I have a longstanding policy. I don't only answer the, a question one time. So listen to the answer because I'm not going to give you another answer. The exception is if I've, you know, am trying to be helpful in witnessing something. <clears throat> then I understand it. They're trying to jog a memory, and I get it because I'm the guy who needs his memory jogged if anyone does. So, uh, but if either way, what they're trying to do with with this Hunter Biden situation and Papa Joe is, you know, he said that I never, this is close to a quote, I never had any knowledge or involvement in my son hunters business dealings period there wasn't any oh except this one time or i might have been around when it happened or i knew about them i never discussed it period which he loves to say that word all the time so now he's come along and i don't you were telling me what the new story is so i don't know what the new story is exactly well it's not (laughs) I don't know if it's necessarily a story because the mainstream media or the mass media isn't really going to cover it. But what he's now saying is, oh, I, I, I knew of it, but I was not involved in his business dealings. So my point is that as someone who, who studied criminal justice and has a degree, I don't have a, you know, I don't have any experience, but you're taught. Uh, even even like when they depose someone or or you're asking a witness their statement, 
you, you might go back because you have some suspicions that, hey, this doesn't jive, right? Yeah. And so, <clears throat> typically, uh, not 100% of the time, but when, when you go back and you re-interview someone or you, or you have their deposition and then you start to question them and they deviate from their previous story, that is a form of deception. Now, whether that mm -hmm. makes them guilty of something or not is, isn't the point. They're just being deceptive. And so when, when you consistently hear politicians, and specifically you know, Joe, Joe Biden, um, who is known for not being truthful and honest. I mean, he, you know, he plagiarizes people. He steals their lines. He, he lies about his education. He lies about all kinds of stuff. I mean, he grew yeah, up. He lies. He lies when the truth helps. Yeah, he he's driven an eighteen wheeler. He grew up Puerto Rican. I mean, all these crazy things that he says, and then and then he says originally, like you said, I had no idea or or involvement in my son's business dealings. Period, and then goes to well, I knew about them, but I was never involved in them. It just draws you to a you know. That's suspicious. Now, suspicion isn't a crime. Uh, but it makes you wonder, okay, well, if he, if he hasn't been telling the truth for 40-some-odd years, what makes us believe he's going to tell it now? What does this have to do with the Constitution? In my opinion, a lot, because a lot of our politicians do the very same thing. They are mm -hmm. deceiving in, in their and what they are trying to convey to you, or they say one thing to your face and then turn around and do something the exact opposite. I sent you a video of, I've been saying on this show, these people aren't the most intelligent. You've said it. They're not the brightest. They're, they're not the people that, that we seem to be voting for. When, when they have somebody else writing their their speeches and their words for them, some 20-something-year-old that graduated from, you know, Yale or Harvard or wherever they came from, Columbia. They're not bright enough to do that themselves. Either that or they're just lazy as shit because they've never really held a real job, the, the vast majority of them. Joe Biden certainly hasn't. He's been in politics all of his life. Yeah, these are not people who work their way through school and everything. These are our donors, kids, and, and uh, well-connected people from their districts or other districts. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what I really want to say about this. Um, well, my point is, that, well, okay. is that on a constitutional basis, if we can't trust these people with with being as open and honest as they can be about a business dealing and and paying their taxes their fair share right and yeah. and not being corrupt that undermines the constitution period and that we're not that the the individuals that we that we go and cast a ballot for whether whether it's right or left if they're not honest and they're not um and they have no integrity or or an ethical bar that is set for them then you can't trust them to 
to go along with the rule of law and the Constitution. That's why everything is under such a such severe attack these days, because well, they, they have no they have no moral compass. Yeah, the the people who wrote the Constitution and approved it in the various colonies and then states, they anticipated that if something like this were going on where the, the government was absolutely um, incompetent and, and an enemy to the people, that we would overthrow it. I mean, that's a large piece of the Second Amendment, the unspoken word of the Second Amendment that that has its roots in British law um, was that the people, it was well acknowledged that the people would um, rebel if the nobleman and the king uh, pushed things too far. Mm-hmm. That Not that they necessarily had the right, but they acknowledged they had the reality that they would rebel. Um, a lot of, a lot of this militia stuff is rooted in that stuff. Um, I and it's just funny can't you imagine. Say that. Real quick, it's yeah. funny you say that. I was watching a TV show, and this is a foreign uh, program from, I believe it's from Germany. And uh, it's about, it, it's a kind of a sci fi thing, but one of the things that in the show that a guy says is maybe we need to form a civil militia to get to the bottom of this. And, and I was like, wow, <laughs> how ironic that I see that in a, a TV show and we're talking about the very same thing on our, on our broadcast. And that, yeah. and that, in places like Germany, they still, they, there are still people, you know, somebody wrote those lines, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, right? It's kind of like it's kind of like for our, our government officials. Somebody wrote their lines. Somebody wrote these lines, but somebody who wrote those lines understands what they're writing about. Where as opposed to uh, similar to the video that I sent you, the, the people that are writing the lines for our politicians don't understand a damn thing. That's the scary part. It's not necessarily the person that's reading them. But I, like I've said before, you can't tell me that that the House of Representatives, led by Nancy Pelosi, is smart enough to write a 1,500-page bill. Oh, no. Uh-uh. And they do this in a matter of days, right? They come up with this idea, and they write this bill in two or three days, and then they go and they vote on it. They, they, they didn't write it. They're never there. Well, I wonder if some of them are even capable of writing, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's the point, right? And, well, and- but constitutionally, though, we are in a constitutional crisis because the government is not functioning. Um, it's not uh, like like the Second Amendment says, um, a well-regulated militia, and we've we've talked about that before that. Well, regulated doesn't mean a lots of laws and rules and regulations. Well, regulated in, in the 1700s meant in good working order, mm-hmm. that there's, there's not a lot of maintenance needed or overhauling needed, that it's in good working order. Yeah. 
Um, so if we look at a well-regulated government, we don't have a branch of government that is working well. Nothing is in good working order. It's not that, oh, the judicial branch is over here doing this, but other than that, the rest of the country is okay. No, it's all three. And both houses of Congress are, are completely dysfunctional. Um, I think the Senate is now as close to being a... Uh, how can I say this without... Um, well, what the hell? You know, it, it's as close to the five families of New York of a hundred years ago as, as I've seen in, in politics, where they basically said, okay, this is the country and these are the criminal leaders and uh, these people have this and such and whatever, that you know, whether they were friends or not or enemies or not, they agreed that these people would be in charge. And that's what we have in the Senate. You know, we have people who supposedly don't get along and some people do get along, but they've, they've basically agreed that they're all in this criminal enterprise together. And they may say some stuff in public and all to criticize what's happening, but the, the Republicans are just as crooked as the Democrats. Yeah, and I think you could make an argument, Ron, um, a good argument, that there are right now and and have been for quite some time a fourth branch of government that you can label the deep state or the bureaucracies whatever you want to call it that we have a fourth branch of government that is overriding the checks and balances that were put in place for the three branches that we technically are supposed to have uh Case in point is that a lot of people make the argument that Joe Biden is on paper uh, and, and legitimately or otherwise the president of the United States, but someone else is pulling the strings. I don't see any evidence of that, although I, I wouldn't doubt it because he's incapable of doing anything. But the, the deep state or, or the bureaucracy or, I don't know, former Obama administration, whoever it may be, is the fourth branch of government that has no checks and balances and is unregulated. Well, they actually have a level of protection that goes beyond what people realize. I mean, the, the old gripe about the post office was you can't, it, you can never make it make money because you can't fire everybody. It doesn't work. Um, which is true. And we can't make the Pentagon work because you can't fire everybody there who doesn't work. Uh, there isn't anyone in any branch of government that you can fire because they don't work. Um, that was basically started under the Carter administration. When all of these civil service positions that, you know, the, the left has this whole thing of, you know, Hire experts, hire the best people, hire the experts, you know, and make sure you have, take good care of your average, you know, like, like we've talked about with the FBI, you know, they're by, by and large, the vast majority of the rank and file FBI are good people. And yet no one seemed to 
seem to arrest any other fellow FBI agents in <laughs> <Right>. any in <laughs> any scandal we've had at the FBI since oh like ever. Yeah. So well, I take that back. There was that guy um, in the late seventies, early eighties, but he wasn't caught by the FBI. But they actually did have to arrest him. I, I just can't remember his name. He was a spy. Um, but at any rate, uh, no one speaks up. Yeah, they have these whistleblowers that all come forward five years after the fact. Yeah, that's something else, too. So, don't you know, you cannot tell me that the vast majority of people at the FBI are good, honest, hardworking people and have the seventh floor get away with uh, removing a president from office uh, and begin trying to work on removing him from office before he was even elected. Not before he took office, but before he was even elected. That's when that BS with the fake Russia collusion stuff started by Hillary Clinton and the Democrat National Committee started. It was in, I think it was June, July of 2016. Um, no, not one single person at the FBI ever uh, blew a whistle on anyone or arrested anyone for uh, fake uh, testimony with the Pfizer warrants or anything else to do with that or uh, anything else to do with anything. Yeah. When was the last time anyone at the FBI ever arrested someone else at the FBI? It's never happened. Yeah. They're, they're not all uh, the vast majority of people, good, hardworking, honest people. No, but you're told that over and over so that you believe that. Well, yeah. So, that's where a lot of this crap has got to stop with, no, let's just start calling a spade a spade. That's what got Trump in trouble with everyone because he didn't have any trouble saying, oh, no, that's not true. Right. And he would, say, he would say that to his own party members, you know, Chris Christie, you know. Yeah, he, well, I'm, I'm saying this, you know. Yeah, he bobs up and down the water like a, like, <laughs> like <laughs> like the booze, yeah, like the booze that a, says no wake yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh huh. He's the weevil who wobbles, so he yeah. won't fall down. Yeah. You know. Well, sorry, sorry, but uh, yeah, you know. Well, and I think uh, that's where Trump. You know, Trump has has. Uh, you know, some may say made tactical errors uh, to to draw so much hatred towards him. But it's a, it's a valid point to say, listen, the, the man's been right on a lot of things. When he says the fake media and the corrupt media, he's not lying. No. The, the media covered up, uh, along with the FBI and the DOJ, covered up the Hunter uh, Biden laptop story and said it was Russian disinformation. They covered up the... the uh, the evidence and and people that that said, "Hey, this is this is a this isn't real." The Russia collusion hoax. Um. They 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 pushed for the uh, you know the the Supreme Court to demand that he release his his taxes, and then when he does, the, the story disappeared. Yeah. What have you ever heard about that? Not a whole lot. 
Yeah. Well, uh, there's, yeah, there's nothing there. Be, well, they they actually didn't they didn't um, report on the fact that there was, and I can't remember the exact year, but Trump had a, a return of eighteen million dollars. And he said, <clears throat> and I could be wrong on the numbers. This is just a, a you know, um, uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, uh, hypothetically, not hypothetically, but the numbers are probably not ac accurate. The year, I don't know. But there was a year that he, he had that a big return, and he said, keep half of it, give me the other half, because next year I may end up owing. So that way you can apply it to next year if I do, because that particular year was a bad year, and he lost money, so he had a return, or whatever their case was. Mm -hmm. You didn't hear that in the mass media. They just, they yeah. just dropped the whole story. It's like, it's like COVID. All of a sudden, it just miraculously disappeared, and you never heard anything more yeah. about it. And, but... Going back to what I was saying is, you know, he, he critics may say he, he went above and beyond in this, you know, this whole witch hunt thing. Well, as I've been saying uh, over and over, and for I, I'll never quit saying it, is that he has pointed out things in our government and in our system uh, that have been going on for a very long time. And, and like you said, nobody's ever done anything about it. The uh, FBI has never arrested someone else in the FBI. And he's mentioned these things. And so what they have done is, is they, have, they have said, okay, well, this guy is a threat. He, he's going to expose a lot of things that we've been doing, and we can't have that. Yeah. And then you have and then you have a portion of those people who don't like his personality. Well, I'm sorry, I don't vote based on personality. And no one should. Granted, I, I don't agree with everything he says or how he says it or how he he uh conveys it. But that's not what I'm looking for. And that's not what you should look for when you're voting. No, honestly, that's just what people say who are so stupid they can't they can't put forth a, a true reasoned argument, and they just say, "Oh, well, he's just so terrible, such a terrible person." Yeah, well, well why don't you name that, 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 that? Like they can get away with saying that, and and not know that. Oh, well, you're just saying that because you're dumb as hell. Why don't you just say, I'm dumb as hell? Well, if you ask someone, yeah, if you ask someone, though, that, that says something like that, and, and I addressed this uh, last podcast or the one before where, you know, my mother-in-law said, I just hate the man. Well, well, name a policy that he put out that was bad for the country. Give me some, give me some substance. Yeah, they can't. You know, other than you hate the man, I, I can hate someone just as much. I, I'll tell you this, as a person who is in upper management, as a person who owns a business, and you may understand what I'm about to say because you, you have done both, um, I didn't like everybody that worked for me. 
But I didn't have to. I mean, if they were productive and they were a good employee, I could look beyond their personality, you know, flaws. I didn't care. If somebody walked into work one day and I didn't like the outfit they were wearing, that didn't, that didn't make me react in a way to say, I hate that person and they need to be fired. Yeah, but see, there's, there's something that is, uh, it may be subtle, maybe not, but what's going, what goes on when someone says, oh, I hate that person, and you try to, let's say, argue with them, or they try to argue with us because we have, you know, some sort of logic going on. What does that remind you of, let's say, maybe in a marriage where you've got the guy who's quite logical about everything and the female is, is looks at things as how she feels? And and it's like, oh, well, we're, we're invalidating her feelings. Yeah. Well... There's some truth to that, but it's also it's also a place that people go when they don't have a reasoned argument, and it's, I just hate the guy. It's like, I, I, I hate chocolate, and I'm just not going to that place that has that great, that, that chocolate mousse that you like so much, because I hate chocolate. You know, then you're arguing with an emotion that's being used as an excuse as some good some good reason to, to not do something or to do something. And and we're getting to this thing where we're trying to argue uh, facts with people who are using emotion or claiming to use emotion. You know, like like the whole fake women's movement with their stupid I'm a stupid Marxist pink hats that they were wearing. Um, they were claiming they were all outraged, you know, um, and victims. Yeah, yeah, and, and we we could not argue with them because they were they were claiming that these emotions were real, and that we were invalidating their feelings. Well, no, you were hiding behind the fact that you couldn't come up with something that you could actually get to come out of your mouth. Um, so. It's it's tough to recognize when that's going on with people, but you know if you're if you're asking someone and trying to truly understand or help them understand why maybe Lyndon Johnson wasn't as bad a president as people think. <laughs> okay, well you know the the deep state in the Pentagon uh, had him. Lyndon Johnson had no. Nowhere to go. Yeah, he was a he wasn't a, a, the greatest president in the world, but he's not the one who got us into Vietnam, even though everyone claims he did. That was um, oh, that was Kamala. You know, Jack Kennedy, and uh, we still don't know who killed him for sure, because the oh, the FBI is the one who and the CIA, they don't want to release those files. And the president could rule otherwise, and yet for some mysterious reason, it never seems to happen because these people in the uh, secret, in the civil service, 
just to fight it. So we're trying to we're trying to argue facts with people who don't care about facts and treating feelings as though they are facts. So th there was a, there was a the point that I was trying to make to this uh, Civil Service Reform Act that uh, Jimmy Carter signed is that that granted some privileges to these people who are in um, the, uh, oh, basically, I think it's called the level three or GS-15 or something like that in the civil service. And once they become senior level. Yeah, which is one of the highest levels you can be. Yeah, senior level executives in the bureaucracies. It's harder than hell to get rid of them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, those people uh, in the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the whole national security apparatus, uh, CIA, FBI, um, those are the people who are causing us problems. And we, you cannot clean up what is going on with our fourth estate being the civil service, unless that is repealed. Uh, no one ever talks about it because, you know, those people are uh, pushing the unions. Uh, but what is it? The uh, I, I forget the union right off the top of my head. But at any rate, they're all over the uh, bureaucracy for the lower level people. And uh, SEIU. Is that it? Um, S-I-E? S-E-I-U, I think that's Yeah, it. I know what you're talking about. I have a yeah. relative, I won't mention who it is, that's a GS employee and has been for years. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and I mean, she uh, she's high up. I think she's 13 or 14 now. And... Um, She's got it made, man. Yeah, you get to a point where you're untouchable. And, uh, you know, it, it sounded like a good idea at the time because they, they didn't want the they didn't want uh, to lose good people and the bureaucracies. But what they've done is they've empowered empowered the bureaucracies to the point where they undermine the executive branch. Which is and, which uh, is what I was saying earlier, the fourth branch of yeah. government that's not spoken yeah. of. Yeah. They, they undermine actually all three branches. So I, you know, I don't I don't think there's a, a solution to the bureaucracy problem without repealing the Civil Service Reform Act. Just my opinion. But that's where most of the problems that came up during the Trump administration were coming from. And I don't think he had the people around him who were aware enough of, uh, of that situation uh, that, that they were able to attack it head on. I mean, Fauci was a classic example of that. So 
you know, that that clown ought to be in jail. Isn't it weird how, uh, and I'm not hearing any follow-up on the, the office where Rand Paul uh, yeah, exactly. caught on fire, and that was a couple of days after uh, they announced that Fauci would be investigated. Now, whether yeah. the two are related or not, the, I, don't, I don't have any evidence of that, but it's awful coincidental. I mean, we have a lot of coincidences in our, in our yeah. world today that, uh, you know, it's the cynical side, the cynicism that we talked about a couple of times already. Yeah. And how that, how that affects our country and what you had said earlier, that we are in a constitutional crisis because people don't believe, you know, 90% of what they hear or, or more. I certainly don't. No. Um, when I see a, a, a committee hearing or, you know, with these IRS whistleblowers, they're frustrated people. These are people who dedicated their lives and, and made a career, you know, and, and want to do the right thing. So here, here's the crazy part. There, there were probably multiple people involved in that investigation. And two of them decided to blow the whistle. Two. Yeah. yeah. Like you were saying, the vast majority of the FBI are, are upstanding, uh, you know, agents. No. The vast majority right. of the IRS is not upstanding because if they were, no. if they were there would be more than two people that would come forward and say, hey, this is yeah. not right. Because that's, that's two more people than came forward during uh, that fiasco that Lois Lerner, uh, you know, presided over. Nobody came forward. No, no, no one. Nobody. And nobody yeah. came forward during the Russian collusion hoax. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that I, argument, don't need, I don't even want to hear anything. About, I, I was just getting ready to say that argument yeah. falls on deaf ears because guess what? You are showing no moral compass and no, no ethics at all. No. When, when the top, the top level agents, Jim Comey and, and the rest of them, the current FBI director, the current attorney general, United States attorney general, when they don't come forward and say, hey, you know what? I get it. This may not be popular with, with a specific party, but we have some problems and we have some issues that need to be addressed, and, and this is what they are. But that doesn't happen. You know, it, no. take, it takes, it takes uh, you know, organizations like uh, the ACLJ or, or Tom Fitton's... Uh, um, Judicial Watch, all these organizations to sue the federal government to get the information needed so that we can see what's going on behind closed doors. And that should never be the case. Well, and to add to that, why can't you or I sue the federal government? Why are we precluded because we don't have standing? It's our country. Why should you even, but here's the thing, to do that, you have to have money. So, so you, you know, 
just like Joe Biden said, if you if you think you're gonna, you know, attack the government, we have F-16s and nuclear weapons, you know, to to counter that. You know, well, you I was thinking about that. You know, you can't sue well, the federal government unless you have some really deep pockets. Yeah, and they have donations that they work off of. They have success fees when they And even something. if you do, could you imagine? Could you imagine? You know, they've destroyed people's lives for, for people going after them. Mm-hmm. I mean... Well, see, the, the first people that said, oh, well, we can't go after them, and I think they were wrong, was the uh, organized crime families of the 20s and then the 30s. They would say, oh, no, we, we, have, we have this line drawn, but they wouldn't go after government people. And that actually started with, uh, on a large scale, with Louis Buckalter. You know who he was? Uh, his name sounds awful familiar. Yeah, well, he's the guy who, who put together that loose-knit uh, group of people that were uh, killers for the mob. And, you know, the various so-called journalists called them Muter Inc. So that was the, the band of guys that if they had, basically, if there was a beef between two families and two cities and they, the commission would not approve one family to go after another family, what they would approve is to uh, have this a group of assassins, someone would be assigned by Louis Buckhalter to go in and kill whoever it was that the commission approved. That Let's say you had a, a legitimate beef against me and the commission said, yeah, we'll allow that to happen. Then they would have Buckhalter do it. He was the one who was in charge of that crew. Um, and that was basically set up in the early 1930s. So the, the one person that the commission did not allow him to go after that others wanted to go after was Thomas Dewey, who was, I think, the chief prosecutor there in New York, um, who he basically framed uh, Luciano to put into prison. He, he made up, the, the case against Luciano was made up, was manufactured. And what some of the folks in the commission wanted to do was, was to take out Dewey. So I can't believe I'm saying that stuff. Anyway, <laughs> I can't believe I even remember it. Um, so at any rate, um, he was someone was assigned the task to follow Dewey around and see if it was even doable. I mean, there was a resistance to doing it because here he is, is we'll have these people all over us if we do this, if we try to take out Dewey. But they still assigned someone just to see how feasible it was. And that guy was Albert Anastasia. And Anastasia followed him around for a week or two got his habits and everything, and he went into the commission meeting 
and they asked him if it was doable. And he said, yeah, I know exactly how to do it. Well, Buck Alter, his advice, even though he wasn't on the commission was we shouldn't do that. That will open up uh, all a can of worms, basically. Well, his, uh, <laughs> his, his partner in the um, garment district brackets was uh, a guy named Jacob Shapiro, Guru Shapiro. And uh, Shapiro said, no, we gotta, he, he's the other guy who's in charge of the same murdering outfit, okay? And he's saying, yeah, we, we need to go ahead and allow that to happen. So they even were on opposite sides of it. But the bottom line was the commission decided, even though the Luciano was being framed by this guy, that they should not go after someone who wasn't in their business. They didn't want to go after someone in the government and take them out because that would cause a big problem. Kind of like, oh, well, they have nuclear weapons and, and bombers and all of that stuff today. That's when the mob made a, I guess you could argue, a big mistake, but they didn't fight back because the government is if they want to do something to you, they're going to keep doing it. They're, nothing is going to stop them. They don't have this moral dilemma of, well, we should or should not do that. The government is not going to stop. Just look at how I am, but now. So the mob decided, no, we will not go after Dewey. Dewey was successful in putting Luciano away. And, and yet that remained the policy. Don't go after cops, you don't go after government people, you don't go after, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, turns out old Buckhalter, uh, he got put in uh, jail and he was uh, electrocuted at Sing Sing uh, in 19, uh, I think it was 44. Uh, but at any rate, he, he had all this communication back and forth from people before he was executed. And his partner, Gura Shapiro, sends him this one note with one line in it that says, I told you so. <laughs> wow. So, so I, I often wonder what would have happened if the mob would not have restrained themselves. Would it have all blown up? I mean, it basically all blew up on him anyway. Um, or, or maybe people like Dewey would say, you know, uh, you know, you, you don't want to have people intimidated, but you know, I think we're going to have some pushback. Let, let's say if if Trump's put in jail, uh, I think that that starts it. That's when the fight starts. Because if, if they really want to put him in jail and he's perp walked into a prison, then I think that tears the country apart. I think that's Fort Sumter. It's very possible, personal. but I think, yeah, I think, I, I, I think it ought to happen. I think it needs to happen personal. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 know, I wouldn't disagree. I don't know that I would disagree with like that. that but yeah. Uh, 
Because but I think first and foremost, they are trying to, they are trying, because he is the front runner. And no matter how much these other uh, candidates try, can't seem to gain any ground on him. And, and the more they indict the man, the higher his poll numbers go. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, I think, you know, they're talking out both sides of their mouth and they say, oh, we want Trump to run because we can beat him. But then they're doing everything they possibly can to make sure that he can't run and say he's yeah. ineligible because he's, he's been indicted. Well, nowhere in the Constitution does it say that. As a matter of fact, it's very odd to me um, that a, a felon can run for president, but a felon can't vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very odd to me. Yeah. Uh, but even if he's convicted, it, it, let's say he's convicted and the judge gives him per, uh, uh, um, probation. He can still run for president. As a matter yeah, of fact, even if they put him in jail, he can still <laughs> run for president. That's right. And he can still be president. And he yeah, Exactly. He can be president while he's sitting in jail. And that's something that can't happen in Russia. Yeah. And, and the only thing he has to do is pardon himself. And then he, <laughs> and then he walks out and he's, he's back in the White House. But I don't think yeah. it's going to make it to that far. I think that what they are going to do. Here's my prediction. He either he either wins the primary and he's the nominee. Um, and and ironically, the judge set the uh, the trial for the thirty seven counts of you know whatever espionage and all this other stuff over the classified documents in December, which is in the middle of the primaries. So the man's going to have to be campaigning while a trial is going on and trying to win the nomination. So there's election interference. Well, it, but, was, but, it was set for May. No, it's set for the... Uh, I'll get the exact date. Okay. Um, but what I was getting ready to say is that I think that... Um, that if he loses the primary, all uh, everything goes away. All of, all of the indictments, all of the investigations, everything is dropped. That's my prediction. Because the only reason they're doing this is to, to claim and to, to claim that he, he can't run for president, he's ineligible, and to discredit him. And they're, they're hoping that the more and more that they throw at him, the less and less people are likely to vote for him. Because they know they can't beat him. Not legitimately and not fairly. Yeah, that was always the uh, political rule. You know, they're, they're sort of uh, their own mob, the organized crime of politicians, was that, you know, if you're so bad that you're indicted, then, you know, you're, you're not qualified. Well, there's nothing in the Constitution about it. That was... I guess what you could call a gentleman's agreement between politicians is that there's a single gentleman or lady 
who's a politician. And I'm sorry, you were right. I may have may have heard something about uh, some some other issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, May twentieth. May twentieth. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the government. Jack, uh, the, Jack. The, the the prosecutors requested a December exactly. Fight. So I was going to I was I was going to say Jack Minor. So fact um, checkers, I'm partially if that's partially false. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he was trying to get him out said. of the. Yeah, well, um, you know, I think it's. So I, I'm surprised that it's scheduled, but I also think that the judge couldn't throw it all out because he knows that it's all going to be refiled anyway. It's like, okay, let's just go ahead and do this. Um, I really don't know. I think we're seeing a level of, of, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Um, malfeasance in the, uh, in our system and our judiciary. And in the Justice Department, the Injustice Department, I, I think we're seeing a level of malfeasance that this country never even dreamed of. No, and I think a part of the deep state issue here is this is this is retribution for him saying uh, on national television during a live debate to Hillary Clinton when she said, thank God you're not president, or something, what, what did she say, um... Thank God you're not president. And he said, if I was, you'd be in jail. Yeah. If uh, anyone belonged in jail, it was her. Yeah, I think it's retribution, retribution for him saying that. They don't. They didn't yeah. like it then, and they don't like it now. I mean, yeah. they still, you know, when he goes and does rallies, they chant lock her up and, you know, for other people as well. And they don't like that stuff. Like, no. you're, not, you're he, not allowed to criticize anyone on the left. Well... If anyone belongs in prison, it's her. How do you destroy 30,000 30, pieces of evidence plus all of your computer equipment that was under subpoena? And everyone knows it. Yeah. And they all act like, oh, no, she's been falsely accused of something. No, <laughs> so bullshit. Dumb. It's so bullshit. Dumb. Yeah. And, and by the way, she was Obama's... Secretary of State, and Biden was Obama's vice president. And look at the corruption out of those two clowns. Why is it that no one thinks to ask, wow, why don't we dig into Obama and see if he had uh, a private server he was operating off of? Why don't we check and see how Obama became wealthy while he was in office when he came into office uh, with about a million dollars net worth? You know what's crazy, um, though? I heard recently it. someone admit openly that a lot of these people, including Obama and Joe Biden, are using uh, non-secured servers. I mean, they're, they're all doing it. And they oh, all yeah. knew it was wrong. But they did it anyway. And this is the, the point that we try to make on this show, which is that they, 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 all, they all say the same thing, even on the right. No one's above the law. No one's above the law. No one's above the law. And, and you gullible frickin' people 
sit there and soak it up and go, yep, no one's above the law. But every single one of them are above the law because they do it. They all do it. They all, yeah. they all are, are guilty of insider trading, all this other nonsense. Well, it's been going on in the presidency since uh, Obama took office. And I think what, what caused it was probably 9-11 and the, and the Scooter Libby situation where someone sat around and, and thought about it for a while and said, you know something, there's nothing to turn in on a subpoena if there's no record. Um, and sure enough, you know, if, they're, if someone's doing uh, business off the books, it's sort of like what brought Nixon down was helping the the people who misguidedly were trying to do something for him, and he he didn't uh, fire him. So he ha happened to have eighteen and a half minutes of what was it uh, missing information on his tape system. Well, if he wouldn't have had a taping system in the White House, then it would have been pretty darn hard to put him away for anything. Well, guess what replaced a White House taping system was computers. So if you get rid of the server and the various email stuff that goes along with someone in office, even though that is all subject to NARA too, um, well, there's nothing to subpoena because yeah. Well, here's the server. Oh, there's there's no records on here. Yeah. Well, that's because you know they're using a their a private server, and that started with Obama when he took office, when he was doing business off of an i iPhone instead of a Android, and uh, it, I think it's been that way ever since then. And you know, Obama. I'm sure it's all been destroyed. You know, I think that he was so angry at Hillary Clinton and that he wanted no part of backing her as president until he realized he had no choice. Um, but he's the one who started that crap. And yet, you know, how does he have, how does he become so wealthy in office? And where where someone am I the only one who's sitting around asking themselves these questions? No, I, you know? I, I I just don't think there's enough people that are. Well, of course not. I mean, but that's what that's why we have a press. That that's yeah. But I mean, go. So, so just to give you an example, and I hate to cut you off, but you say some things that I that uh, I have to I have to comment on. Because it, it kind of goes along with, this is why these things are happening, or not happening. So if you if you were to look up, um, say, presidents and classified documents, the first few things that you'll see are articles from the uh, unbiased and non-political organizations such as the USA Today. <laughs> And MSNBC News, <laughs> AP News, PolitiFact, and Wikipedia. 
That, that's your top five sources of information. Is there give anything it, in there from you. the... What about the cross-dressing uh, media trash channel, the CMT? I, I mean, it... <laughs> And, and here's the headlines. Ready? Clinton's sock case not relevant to Trump's classified docs case. Harping on the Clinton socks case isn't helping Trump's classified docs. Fact focus. Trump twists Presidential Records Act. Yes, Bill Clinton kept tapes in his sock drawer. Here's why the Trump case... Um, ...is different. So th these aren't, th this, this isn't investigative reporting. These are opinion pieces. And most people think, oh, it's USA Today. It's, it's uh, AP News. That's the mass media. And they're going to tell you exactly the opposite of the truth. Yeah. These, these are the fact checkers that have been, yeah. that have been sued. Yeah. And then when they were sued, went into court and said, well, we're not, we're really not fact checkers. We're more of, we're more op opinionated because they would have got their asses handed to them. Yeah. There because is, they, there were, they were, they were, they were caught slime. lying. Yeah. They're just slime. So they, they fall into the category that you have said on this show numerous times, lying liars that lie about lying. That's what a fact checker is. Basically, yeah. They're, they're covering for other people that are lying. Even though they know nothing about the facts. And so they've done they've done everything except verify facts. And so I will go back to my question to you. Regarding the constitutionality of everything we just talked about, because that's what our, our podcast is about. The inquiry into freedom and how this is undermining what this country was founded on and, and the belief system and our constitution, our, our basic human rights, and how they are violated over and over and over again. But guess what? If you And I know you had a comment on this, so I'm going to bring it up again. But guess what? If you challenge that, we have F-15s and uh, nuclear weapons to to make sure that uh, you stand down. Yeah, isn't that a threat of violence? I mean, I don't know. If that's not, I don't know what is. Well, you know, how about we say, you know something, the last time somebody got mad enough at a president for doing X, Y, Z, they, they shot him in Dallas, you know? It, wouldn't that be kind of looked at as as uh, espousing violence? You know, would would Johnny Depp be thrown in prison because he said something like that about shooting? Yeah, when uh, was the last Kennedy time? Or, that, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Or Lincoln? You know, this stuff is all one sided, and it's not. Uh, there's nothing about it that's constitutional. It's just people who are allowed many, to do things. How many? How many times has an attempted assassination happened on a Democratic president? You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just want I, I wanted to ask you that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer either. Well, the thing is, is that a lot of that's kind of like 
the same thing of uh, how many times was a missile uh, intercepted and destroyed before it got to the United States? Because you don't hear her, hear about it. Um, you know, some of that stuff is just kept quiet. Uh, I I really don't know. Um, it's just, you know, how about let's look at, you know, there was all this stuff with with. You know, the, the answer uh, is. What? One. One? Huh. And you know who that is? You you mentioned his name, John F. Kennedy. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lincoln, Garfield, McKinley, and Reagan. Teddy Roosevelt was running. Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, was shot at five times a couple of weeks before his inauguration, but was not hit. Yeah. Gerald Ford was shot at. It's very dubious that the guy was actually shooting at Roosevelt, too. Right, yeah. That's in my book, actually. I actually go so over So who's, who's, who's the party of violence? It's, it's a legitimate question. Yeah, it is. Well, I, I would say that it's also the same party as uh, the KKK and uh, slavery and all that other stuff, too. It's, it's just they're, they're the party of projection. And uh, they, they have always succeeded in grabbing the narrative around emotion and feelings and not facts. And that's how they've been able to operate all this time. But if we, we've, we've talked about the burn loot murder crowd before. And how many, how many prominent Democrats spoke out against the BLM movement. Uh, I'm struggling to even come up with one. Uh, maybe there was someone. I well, don't even know. Well, the, even the, uh, the members of the Republican Party that were practicing for the uh, Congressional Baseball Classic or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that was attacked by a Bernie Sanders supporter. Yeah. It was a non-story. Yeah. They they wouldn't even come out and say, yeah, Bernie Sanders guy tried to kill us. I mean, that's how meek and mild these stupid Republicans are. That's why you don't ever want a Republican in office just because they're a Republican. People voted for, for Biden because he was a Democrat. Not because he... They loved him or respected him or anything else. People will vote for Democrats just because they're Democrats. There, there are some people who will do the same with Republicans because they can't, they can't stand the Democrat Party. But there are a lot more who will only vote for Democrats, period. If they don't like the Democrat candidate, they stay home. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of trying to do something. Uh, what would it look like if the if people who were fight wanted to stand up and fight Marxism in this country using the same tactics as the left? What would that picture look like? 
you know, there would be burning and looting and murdering in city streets, but it wouldn't be supported by the media or by the Republican Party, and definitely not by the Democrat Party. Uh, what would happen if if someone did the whole Johnny Depp thing? Well, just here's a here's a good example. What would happen in this country if we did what the people in Israel are doing right now? Yeah. Or would Brazil? that be when the F-15s would fly over? I mean, that's basically what we've been told, right? Don't challenge the government. Yeah. You, you, have, to, you have to go along with whatever we say, and, and that's the opposite. That's what I'm trying to convey to people. What that man said is the exact opposite of what the founding fathers of this country envisioned. And if you think that it exudes freedom and liberty, then you, 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 have, you need to take a step back and think about what, that, yeah. what those terms literally mean. Because you, yeah. ha you have, first of all, you're not even in the top 25 countries in the world as far as freedom goes. But then you have you have a guy who who claims that Donald Trump wants to be a dictator telling you that if you challenge anything that we say or do we have an F15 and nuclear weapons that'll that'll take care of you. Think about that for just a minute. And understand the implications of 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 what that can mean moving forward with other presidents. Because nobody said anything. I mean, you know, sure, there was a little outrage and some outcry about it. But it wasn't, it wasn't serious. I mean, that's a threat. Yeah. We, we have to worry every day about China and Iran and uh, Russia, North Korea. Now you're telling me I need to worry that our own government may nuke us because we disagree with them? Are you serious? Well, they're, they're basically laying claim to there's nothing you can do to us. And there is an us versus them. That the, the government is all-knowing and all-powerful. Not the people. It's not the people's government. It's the government's government, and don't you dare think otherwise. That, that's where these, these people, these civil service people are coming from. What, you know, what, we'll breeds, we'll that, bury what breeds that? Well, it... it <laughs> I, I, I get money. Probably drive, yeah. drives a lot of, you know, their... Uh, of what the they down, do and the decisions it, they make. It's the downside of humanity. It's the Lord of the Flies. There, you know, we we all have a good side and a bad side. And when people are not tempered by other people or their own self-discipline, then people tend to get worse instead of better. There's I think no we're living in a time uh, that's parallel to an old movie. Oh yeah, uh, yeah we are. 
called the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Where, well. hu where hum humans just destroyed themselves. And, you know, uh, <laughs> not that that would ever happen. But, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of ironic that I believe that, that humanity is on a path of self-destruction. Damn, well, damn some climate change and some COVID and all that other crap. You keep doing what you're doing to each other. You, you keep we're actually more along the lines of, I would say, Metropolis, the movie uh, Fritz Lang made in, I think it was 1928, um, which is basically showing the dehumanization of people uh, in society. Cool movie, if, if you're into German mutants old German movies, but um, yeah, it's the downside of human nature. You know, the uh, people get down on capitalism and such because, oh, well, that's just too harsh or whatever. Well, all it is is there, capitalism is not a case to be made for something or another. It's based on recognizing what human nature is, the good and the bad and the ugly of human nature. And that if you allow free markets and freedom to work, things will naturally correct themselves. But if you start interfering in uh, things and try to create winners and losers based on the government and involving itself, all you're going to do is give more power to the government and it will become corrupt. And if they're so insulated that the people can't do anything about it, then that is the rise of organized crime and political parties and the government. Um, that's basically how that shift happened and why we have so much criminal activity in, uh, in government and politics and why we don't have it in the mob any longer you know it, it just made a complete it morphed you know organized crime morphed from you know these various crime families into government yeah know? so so were they was the government really trying to protect public safety or the human interests by enforcing laws against prostitution and drugs and gambling. Those things all exist now legally. Not in every state, but those things exist legally. So why were they made illegal? That, that's <laughs> a great question. Yeah. Well, they were made illegal, maybe, maybe because people want, thought that that was a good idea. You know, I'll give human nature some credit there. But what happens is that people learn how that business works. And then someone at the government realizes, you know, if we make this legal and then tax it, we can make money off of it then all of a sudden you have a whole bunch of experts in these, in prostitution and in drugs and in is gambling. Is that why Kamala Harris is vice president? Well, we'll have to ask, we'll have to ask Willie because he was one of his girls. Kamala. Um, yeah. So 
just think about it. And, you know, if, if, it, if those three things were so bad for people, why are they legal now? Well, and one of the things, one of the things about Marxism is, you know, they are anti-capitalism, uh, which is pretty obvious. And I came across, you brought up something uh, that I wanted to mention, and you, you, which was capitalism. And so there's a, a company called WorldCoin, and they are trying to create a, a new financial network owned by everyone. And so they've developed some AI technology that it's an, uh, for people to scan their eyes for a global ID. And the CEO of WorldCoin said, this will happen whether you like it or not. Um, so it's, it's a WorldCoin, uh, WorldCoin consists of a privacy preserving digital identity and where laws allow a digital currency received simply for being human. Um, I don't know where this guy's from, but he said, uh, we hope that, you know, where the, the rules are less clear, such as in the U.S., steps will be taken so more people can benefit from both. From, from both. But in the end, he said, um, that, uh, Let me find it. Um, so Sam Altman is the CEO of OpenAI, which launched the popular artificial, intel artificial intelligence large language model chat GPT. He's a co-founder of WorldCoin. He previously, previous, previously said... He hopes that rapidly advancing technology will break capitalism. So that's the end game. Because without capitalism, you have what? I mean, dictatorship. Oh, it depends on what he's advocating for. I mean... Capitalism is really based on on how human nature works and and combining that with being free to make your own decisions and choices. So it's applying freedom and liberty to economics. And you know, just I don't know what his end game is. If it's if it's all about you know, a government takeover or a private industry monopoly of something, then, you know, maybe it is a Marxist situation. I, I don't know. Well, um, so this is a, uh, so again, it's a, um, an effort to distribute digital money around the world. They have already given out around 30 devices called orbs, which are being used to scan people's eyes on four continents. 
After taking a photo of the user's eye, the orb creates a unique code that can be used to access the free digital currency. Um, early orb users get re rewards by signing more people up. Um, free, free currency. Yeah, cryptocurrency. But it's free. Mm -hmm. So it has no value. I mean, you and I can come to that conclusion very simply and determine that this is this is a this is a scam. Yeah, but not to mention, so they they assure you that the orbs convert the eye photos into unique codes composed of letters and numbers before permanently deleting the scans. Oh, I'm sure they'll do that. Yeah. Send your DNA to, I don't know, one of the, the companies that does the the, um, the family tree, you know, you find out your, your uh, you know, where you're from and who your ancestors were and all this other stuff. You think they throw your DNA away? Oh, I'm sure they do, don't you think? Yeah. I'm sure you know, they wouldn't lie. It's they wouldn't like, lie about that. It's kind of like all the data that these big tech companies uh, get from you. You know where mm -hmm. you shop, where you where you go to eat. You know what you buy online. You think they dispose of that data? Do you think that they remove your name from from your data? I mean, nobody reads the. Uh, the consent and privacy notifications. Nobody reads that stuff. And even if you tried, you wouldn't understand it. Oh, it's worse than trying to understand the uh, internal revenue <laughs> service code. Yeah. I mean, most people have a, a difficult time filing their own taxes, even, even a, you know, a normal person. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I, yeah, I, no thanks. I haven't done it. Why in, is uh, that? Well, I don't know. 30 years. Why do they make it so years? difficult? They don't want you to understand what they're doing, what they're saying, how they control. No. It's not a conspiracy. You know, and it's not a theory. It's actually in front of your face. Try it one time. I have tried to read some of these, you know, if you download an app or whatever and the privacy policies and what you agree to, I, I don't, I can't get through two paragraphs of it without going, I don't even know what the hell I just read. Yeah. Makes no sense to me. They make it as confusing as possible. You may even take it to an attorney and they might look at you and go, I don't know what that means. Some expert wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to make my way through some pretty darn complicated tax returns. But that doesn't mean that I understood the... The codes. I just understood that the dollars and cents. So I could I could figure out whatever I needed off of tax returns and financial statements. But uh, why on earth would anyone want to who makes money uh, want to run the risk of having an audit that? Uh, you, you just don't know everything if you're 
I just don't think that it's wise to try to tune up my own car. I don't understand how to do uh, the modern computerized equipment. So why would I be my own mechanic? You know, it used to be that I could work on a car with a carburetor and, and do my own work and be a mechanic. But if I wanted to go out and buy a new, uh, whatever, Cadillac SUV, then why would I be a mechanic? I don't know how to do that stuff. I take it to someone who does that stuff every day. So that's what I do with taxes. I take that stuff to someone who is an attorney and a CPA, and they do my tax return. They do that stuff every day. I don't have to be an expert in it. They are. Mm -hmm. So I'm just an advocate of doing that. And, and, I, and if you look at successful people, that's what they learn to do early on is find someone who does this and get better at what you do the best and hire someone else to do what doesn't make you money and let them go do their thing, spread the wealth, whatever. But I'm not an expert at taxes. So I, I guarantee I would, I would screw up something, something important. I mean, last time I got audited, I actually got paid, you know, and that was the last time I did my own tax return. It was like 1990-whatever. Yeah, Five so yeah, we do our own personal side. And then for our business, you know, we, we keep, you know, obviously records and, and we do a, a expense sheet and all that other stuff. But we hand that to an accountant and let them do yeah. our business side because we can't do it. My wife, my wife is uh, an accountant an accountant by trade and has a degree in accounting and she can't do our business taxes well, because it's just too difficult. And if you make a mistake, here's the problem. And, and, you know, this, this takes us back to what we started on, which was, you know, the Bidens and the tax stuff and the IRS. If you make a mistake and you, and you don't file it correctly, you're in trouble. Now they're, I'm not saying they're going to come and arrest you or anything like that. But if I owed, if I if I filed a claim and and said, hey, I've I've got three thousand dollars in return, but I actually owed ten thousand, they're gonna get back to me and say, hey, you you actually owe ten thousand. We want our money. And oh, by the way, if you don't pay it, you know we're gonna we're gonna either come and take your stuff, excuse me, you know, take some of your assets, or we're gonna throw you in jail. Mm -hmm. I mean, ask Willie Nelson or Wesley yeah. Snipes or, or thousands of other people that are unknown. Yeah. You know, they don't have big names like that who, who went to jail because of, you know, tax evasion. So did Joe and Hunter actually claim the $17 million on their personal tax return? Well, one of the, well that, that's the, the, so that's what the whistleblowers had brought up, part of what they had brought up in the hearing. And the other part was that he had the plea deal um, to, you know, to go from a felony to a misdemeanor. 
And in that plea deal, there's no mention of repayment. There's no mention of, okay, we found you owing these tax these taxes on, on income you didn't claim and, and things that you claimed, like I guess there was a, I don't know, something to do with the prostitutes and he claimed it was something something else. I don't remember exactly what it was. But then he made false claims on, on the, the filing. And he owed money, but he never paid it. And so they're like, there's no mention in, in these agreements that he has to pay those back taxes. So not only does he not face what we always recommend as a felony criminal charge, not a misdemeanor, it's always a felony, because everybody is treated equally or should be by the IRS. But in this case, it wasn't that way. And we were told to stand down and that we needed to back off because members of the administration, come on, we know who that is. We're sending messages that, hey, this, this needs to stop. You know, just like he did with, with the, uh, the prosecutor in Ukraine. If you don't fire his ass, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're and son of a bitch, they fired him. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same tactic. And where's the outrage? So, so they come forward and they're saying, "Hey, not only not only did they not take our recommendation of a felony criminal charge, but they they let him plea, and there's no there's no repayment, no payment has ever been made, and no mention of it being made ever, like tomorrow or next week or in a month." or payments. It just doesn't it just goes away. Well, that doesn't happen to normal everyday people. No. And how how people aren't outraged about that? Maybe they are. But outrage isn't enough anymore. Outcries are not, not enough anymore. Not, not you know, just like they rioting in the streets. You know, just like they use the the uh you know, we're, we're tired of hearing thoughts and prayers for people who are victims of mass shootings. We need to do something more. Well, I'm saying to people on the right, you need to do something more than have outrage and outcry about this crap that's going on. You, you had mentioned, why don't we use the same tactics? You know, what makes us different? That we can't that we can't march down the street. I'm not saying you and I have mentioned this before, burning stuff, looting stores, or any of that other stuff. But we can surely march down the road and and make demands and say we're not taking this crap anymore. I mean, we're seeing, well, we're seeing, they, and they send they send armed agents to people's homes, who the Justice Department wants to target, even if they aren't convicted. You know, like what's his name, the guy that uh, uh, Roger Stone. Yeah, yeah, Roger Stone. They send whatever thirty armed SWAT people. And a one CNN camera <laughs> filming, and we're supposed to believe that this guy who uh, supposedly lied about something—who knows what? 
Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know, and I don't care because it wasn't big enough to send 30 armed agents there. Um, you know, it, it's just it's just a big show. There's you all they're what, trying though, to do you know is what, though, intimidate us into saying we can do whatever we want to. So here. how about you know how about I started out on this road with the Tom Dewey situation and I didn't finish, but. What would happen if, I don't know, some some random Trump person, some random Trump supporter said, uh, you know, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it any longer. I'm putting together a, uh, a militia, a uh, whatever. It, we'll call it the mob militia or, or whatever. And we're going after anyone in the government who is mis- acting you know uh if christopher ray wants to do this stuff with armed agents then we're going to put together our own little network uh, like the mob you know the mob in the 20s or 30s we'll, we'll put together our own little murder inc or whatever anyone wants to call it <laughs> and we're going to send someone uh calling whoever the agents are that are involved in something. Um, you know, I'm sure that would be met with all kinds of uh, pushback, you know, to say the least. Yeah. But, but how about the guy who went to the, the school board meeting in uh, Virginia and uh, he turns out being beaten and arrested by the police when it was his daughter who was raped. Mm -hmm. So the school board gets away with it. The cops get away with it. Um, the school district doesn't seem to get into any trouble at all. And yet he gets to be beaten. So, so what if this mythical organization goes after those cops and the school board members and everything? And uh, I don't know, slashes their tires or beats them up, whatever we want to do. Uh, maybe we find a nuke and we nuke them or something. Nuke the school on Sunday. You know, I'm just making crap up. In right. case no, I get it. This is satire. Yeah. Um, so, what would what would happen if the uh, anti-Marxists became their own mob, their own organized crime family, shall we say? Only it's a it's a militia, you know, protecting the the people's rights against people in the government who have abused their authority. You know, what would that picture look like? You know, uh, it would be, it would, it would definitely not be uh, deemed a peaceful protest. Oh, definitely not. But, but I think that maybe Most, that's what I, I'm not advocating for. It, and yet on the other hand, I, as I sit here talking about it, I don't know that I'm opposed to it either, to be honest, because at some point, people people have a right to push back against what is wrong. And people have not pushed back. And the few who have pushed back have been threatened and beaten, thrown in jail. We have people over this whole fake thing over January 6th who still haven't even been brought to trial yet. 
and their uh, their rights have been abused. So, you know, I'm fed up with the whole uh, justice system not producing justice, uh, not being equal treated for everyone under the law, and that politicians, for some reason, get to be exempted. Well, and one of the things that I learned um, while I was studying criminal justice, and it's not been that long ago, uh, 2018, is that even in the textbooks, it mentions the very thing that you're talking about, which is, you know, not having any faith in your criminal justice system. Even though, you know, we still have probably the best system that exists, uh, there's mention of overhauling the entire system because it's it's not it's not operating the way it should, which is another example of how our government doesn't do anything efficiently or correctly. Um, well, I'm a little. It's not constitutionally either. Yeah, especially not constitutionally. Um, and that's why I'm, I, if I was to, if I was to pinpoint one thing that, that I would criticize Donald Trump on more so than anything else, it would be his handling of the COVID issue and how he went along with it for so long before he finally said, Hey, we're, we're done with this. We're going to start opening things up. He should have never went along with that to begin with. And then, you know, they, they convinced him of things. Which, which is disappointing to me because, I mean, it takes a lot to convince Donald Trump of anything. I don't have any personal experience, but based on what I've seen and heard and, and the way that he conducts himself, you better have a pretty strong argument and a pretty good case to convince that man to do a lot of anything. Yeah. Um, and so our government... Uh, failed the people once again when it came to COVID. And Donald Trump, you know, fast-tracks this vaccine. And, and you know, he, he himself goes on television and said, I got it. There's nothing wrong with it. Go get it. I'm not telling you you have to, but make your own choice. I'm just telling you that I got it, and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Well... A lot of people fell for for this same exact thing, hook, line, and sinker, about vaccines and the COVID virus. Um, something that just happened recently is LeBron James' son just collapsed at practice from cardiac arrest. Um myocarditis I haven't heard I haven't heard about that at all so um yesterday LeBron James teenage son suffered a cardiac arrest and was rushed to the hospital on Monday yesterday while practicing he suffered cardiac arrest the medical staff was able to treat him and take him to the hospital he is now in stable condition and no longer in ICU. 
Uh, so in this article, they talk about um, myocarditis. Myocarditis has spiked, uh, what is it, 40%? Myocarditis diagnosis skyrocketed among U.S. troops after the COVID-19 vaccine was rolled out. According to a top Defense Department official, Myocarditis cases soared 151% in 2021 in the wake of COVID vaccine rollout. Um, Myocarditis is, uh, in case anybody doesn't know, is inflammation of the heart muscle. So there have been some reactions. And one of them is from Elon Musk on Twitter. And guess what? He won't be banned for making this comment because he owns Twitter. Screw you. But here's what he says, and and this is exactly what we've said about the election. But it's on a different topic. He tweets, we cannot ascribe everything to the vaccine, but by the same token, we cannot ascribe nothing. Myocarditis is a known side effect. The only question is whether it is rare or common. So say that about the election results. Mm -hmm. We cannot ascribe everything to the election, but, or election uh, fraud, but by the same token, we cannot ascribe nothing because there's no proof. But in these studies, even by the Defense Department, since the vaccine rollout, a hundred and fifty-one percent spike. Yeah, and um, Benny, Benny Johnson. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of Benny Johnson. He tweeted, "I'm not a doctor. I'm just a simple man of 37 years who pays attention to trends we can see with our own eyes. I'm here to tell you that it is not normal for thousands of healthy teenage athletes to be collapsing." some dying from cardiac arrest. Now ask why. So I'm not a doctor, and I can't say one way or the other whether COVID vaccines have anything to do with people just falling over dead. And this is happening, I mean, I was watching something the other day, and uh, it was during the um, uh, the women's uh, FIFA championship soccer tournament. And the announcer's standing there talking to another guy, you know, a former soccer player, and he just falls over. The guy thought he was joking around with him, but he, he's just, he starts to stagger, and then he falls into his broadcast partner and then falls on the ground. And the guy's screaming, we need help, we need help. That's not normal. Uh. Sure, people get overheated, people, you know... I don't know, there's sugar drops or maybe there's sugar spikes, whatever. You know, we don't know what their health history is and and people fall and faint and do that stuff all the time. Well, not all the time, but it happens. Yeah, it does, yeah. But this is something that's been going on for quite some time. And and you hear nothing about it. Like I said, COVID just kind of disappeared. Like, I I don't know, you walk into... uh, a grocery store and they used to have, you know, 
um, sanitizing stations for your hands and wipes for the carts. That's all gone. Yeah. It's all disappeared. And I'll tell you why. Number one, because COVID's not, it's not like it's not non-existent, but it's no longer a thing anymore. And these companies aren't going to shell out all these thousands of dollars to keep replacing, you know, hand wipes and, and sanitizing, hand sanitizer. I mean, they had to do it to begin with because that's what they were told. It's the right thing. We need to have this. But it's all gone. Like, I, I went to Walmart the other day, or hell, in, for another term. There was nothing there. No hand sanitizer, nothing to, you know, wipe the carts down, nothing. I'm thinking, and it sure, it, it, it went away faster than it, than it actually occurred. <laughs> yeah, all it took was the CDC saying that it was no longer a thing. I mean, the same organization that, that refers to chest feeding. All it took was for Donald Trump to not be president anymore, and they got what they wanted. Yeah. Well, they're still pretending. Like, I mean, that was, a, let's be honest here. The whole thing about maintaining those stations and COVID awareness and the fact that it's still in conversations is just a matter of, it is trying to pretend that it was a real thing, that it wasn't just a uh, anomalous uh, flu, that that there was not that that it wasn't something that uh, the United States government had a part in creating. That it wasn't uh, all those all the stuff they said about it was false uh and the, and i think that we're going to find that these fake vaccines do more damage than the actual infections well you and i had talked about this once before i don't know if you remember yeah but we had said you know i don't want i, I hope that i'm not sitting around you know 10 years later and see the commercial on tv that says if you or one of your loved ones died from the covid vaccine <laughs> or, or one of its boosters, <laughs> if you have, you may be do just compensation, yeah. you know, call blah, 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 and, and associates. If you died. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, they're just fools, and, and they're playing everyone else for fools, too, and they're trying to pretend that this huge, gigantic thing they made out of it was real. And that and they and they weren't fooled because they have no other they have no other way out other than to apologize. And and, and I think that would be the more honest thing to do because we all screw up. And and I think that having you mentioned Trump as part of this, and, and I'll circle back to that, is that is the one thing that he did in office that there's some legitimate explaining he has to do to Ricky Ricardo. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a legitimate uh, conversation. And he needs to have some 
I don't care if it's some polished thing or not, but he darn well better uh, make himself accountable for it because, you know, he had no choice. I mean, let's face it. Uh, He had to take what everyone was pushing at him and somehow put his own mark on it to make it go better, faster, and stronger than anyone else because that's what Trump does. Right. But he had to be convinced, and as you're saying, you make a really good point, that that man does not do anything that he hasn't thought through. And the people around him uh, pushing him and influencing him to do the things that he did needed to be speaking up more. Uh, the, the folks like Ben Carson, yeah. um, uh, Rand Paul, the, the other folks, but he had these various people who were part of the whole uh, bureaucracy that are protected, you know, they're GS-15 and above, that like Fauci, who basically they're so protected that if you're not doing, if you're the president and you're not doing what they say that you should do, they will go out on TV like, like foe she did and they'll cut him down, and and he'll get treated as though he is some sort of a, a all knowing person by the media because he's cutting down the president, and the president is not popular with the media complex. So he had nowhere to go other than to uh, go with whatever his advice was because there wasn't. It was so new. There just wasn't good alternative information but he needs to be he needs to tell everyone that well i don't know if you ever saw the press conference where uh i think a reporter kind of gave him a hard time and and said why aren't you know why we don't feel like you're being honest and and it wasn't specifically aimed at trump but trump and his covid team and you know fauci included and uh the other female doctor i don't remember the name her name off the top of my head but he said, what do you want me to do? He said, do you want me to come out here and, and, and tell everybody that the world is ending? He said, I have yeah. to be positive. I'm, I'm, I'm the president, and I can't come out here and scare everybody to death. That's not what we're supposed to do. And I get That's, that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I understand that. I mean, the last thing that, that the, the population in this country, the, the way that they are, the, their thought process and the way that they act today and, and I kind of understand what my mother-in-law was saying when she said, we can't handle the truth. I mean, if he was to come out and say, oh, my gosh, you know, this is really, really horrible. And, you know, millions of people are going to die. I, I mean, there's chaos in the streets, right? You know, because mm-hmm. people are going to panic. And he said, I have, to, I have to maintain some sort of control here. So I give him credit for... for coming out and being honest enough to say that. The other, the other side of that coin is, however, that they should have come out, Fauci and, and uh, was her name, Burke? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Burke and, and all the, the CDC, the World Health Organization, all of them should have said, you know what? We don't know. We don't know anything. You have to give us some time Instead of coming out with, oh, 
You need a you need a mask. Now you need two masks. Now you need three. Now you need one shot. Now you need two, three, four, five. Instead of instead of all that nonsense, they could have saved a lot of time, money, effort, and and the American public the stress and anxiety, specifically towards the kids. That they then they come out and say, "Well, you need to vaccinate your six month old." What? Yeah. Pregnant mothers need to get a vaccine. We don't know what it's gonna what it's gonna do. I mean, it could come out with three legs. But we we don't know anything about the virus to begin with. But no, as as the government always does, they claim to have all this knowledge and and they know what's best for you. They know what the right thing for you to do is. And they screw it all up. And in the meantime, they, they, don't, they don't think about the consequence of what they're doing. Because guess what? It doesn't matter to them because it doesn't really affect yeah. them. Yeah, they don't have so, to. So people with yeah. myocarditis that, that got a vaccine that are falling over dead or, or being rushed to the hospital with cardiac arrest, well, that's not our problem. And the other yeah. thing, that, and the other thing that most people don't know is that every single pharmaceutical company that developed a shot for the vaccine signed a deal with the government that they cannot be sued. They have immunity. That's a fact. It's most, also not constitutional. But, but most people don't know that, Ron. Right. And I so, know. And so that's that's what's important to me about this podcast. You know what? I don't I don't know how many listeners we have and I don't care. If I can if I can reach two people and get them thinking about what we talk about. And I'm not I'm not saying, you know, our our sarcasm and our our satire and all that other stuff. But the fact that this country is not being run under the 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 rule of law and and according to the constitution if two people hear what I'm saying and go, you know what, this is something I need to look into and think about and, and draw my own conclusion, then it's worth it. I mean, I don't look to see how many listeners we have. I really don't. I talk to you on Tuesday and Thursday of every week. Post this to all our platforms, and what happens, happens. Whoever listens, they listen. Great. But we say a lot of things on this show that most people have never heard before, don't know about, um, isn't being talked about in mass media. It's all the same, the same stories over and over and over again. The same five topics that, that they talk about throughout the, the entire week until something new comes along. And then that's all they, they talk about. Every show, for hour, hour after hour after hour. Now, granted, we're, we're all over the place sometimes, but... That's because these conversations lead us to, you know, this this conversation we're having right now about COVID. Well, there's common themes, even though they're different subjects. They they all kind of tie together, don't they? Well, the the for for some reason, I just flashed on that whole uh, train derailment thing that happened in Pennsylvania, and. You know, now we've got, you know, basically the 
the train industry has been protected like crazy ever since Warren Buffett's group got involved with Burlington Northern. Um, and then, of course, Biden jumped in and uh, intervened in the uh, union uh, debate to protect Warren Buffett. Uh, and now we have the Teamsters saying, oh, we don't want Biden involved in this dispute with UPS <laughs> because they want to be able to go on strike and cause a big problem, and they don't want Biden to go in there and, and quote, unquote, fix it. Um, and it's just really odd how, you know, some things become politically paddle, palatable, uh, and some not, but the themes behind them, uh, are what is so, sort of the commonality. Um, so yeah, there, are, we talk about a, a bunch of various topics and yet the themes that run through them are oddly related. Yeah. And people don't have enough time in a in a news hour on uh, PMS NBC to go into the details. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just funny to see how these things uh, have common issues that no one ever thought of. You know, and and people are not asking questions that. Uh, make some sense and we've we've brought some things out that you know i think a, a casual observer would say what on earth are they talking about well who who, who and who, and then three weeks later it's in the news that oil <laughs> what do you know you well, know how many people do you do you think know about what you just mentioned burlington northern yeah warren buffett or the teamsters, the teamsters yeah. any of that stuff how many people know anything about that how many do you think? Not very many. I've I probably mean, less you, than less than one percent. If you sit and think about it, you know we've mentioned Tucker on this show numerous times, and uh, I can't remember the actual number of people that tuned in to, wa to watch him nightly. Over three million. Put that into perspective, though. We're a country of 340 million plus people. Yeah. And 3 million people. And, and that's a, that is a big number for a news program. Yeah. 1%. 1% of the population is paying attention to anything. It doesn't matter what side you're on because let, let's just face it. If you're watching Morning Joe or, you know, Rachel Madcow or any of these other people, they get, they get even less. Well, the breakdown on, on Carlson's slot, it went from something like, don't quote me on this because I'm just talking in generalities, but let's, let's say 3.2 million for lack of a, a hard number on my end. 3.2 million a night when Carlson's on there. And then he disappears and they had someone else filling in for him for a while, and it was 1.2 million. Right. And now I guess Jesse Waters is on that slot. I think so. I I don't know. I don't watch. Um. And I, I don't heard, either. I've not heard anything. So 
but I, as I understand it, though, his his share is now at two point two million. So he was established too. I mean, I he was in that hour before Tucker for a year or two. Yeah. So it's not like they just threw him to the wolves and right. he'd never been on there. He was on a the hour before him. Well, he so, started as an intern. So it goes from yeah, it goes from three point two million to one point two million and then to two point two million. So they've lost a third of their viewership by replacing him with someone who was already well known at the network. So What's the important question to ask? Well, what's the viewership on that hour that Jesse Waters gave up? Right? Mm -hmm. Because he's he's lost a million. He's lost a third of their viewers the, from what it was before. But what's the viewership loss or gain? on the hour that he was Well, I can tell you this. For the first time in 15 years, MSNBC in that hour beat Fox News. Yeah. So. But my my the, my whole thing well, is. Go ahead. But see, you see what I mean, though? It's a domino effect. Yeah. That they lost viewership at the Tucker hour. And you know they've lost viewership at the Jesse Waters hours, I just have not heard the numbers yet. I'm, I'm sure they're floating around out there. But, you know, he had a certain number of viewers at whatever, let's say the six o'clock hour. But what, does that, but what does it tell you, real quick, what does it tell you that uh, Tucker Carlson um, was getting about three million, give or take? He leaves Fox News. His first video on Twitter gets, what was it, 30 million in the first 24 hours or some crazy number yeah. like that? Oh, yeah. It's now, oh, reached, yeah. It's now reached 90 million uh, views. Mm -hmm. What What does that tell you about a news organization and, and, and how important it is? Because only... Three three million people a night are tuning in. We have three hundred and forty million people in the in the country now. Yeah. Take away, you know, I don't know, children, uh, homeless, whatever people that don't have cable. Yeah, it's free. I mean, you're still well, looking free. at it. <laughs> yeah, a huge amount of people that aren't tuning well, in. So, yeah. so the they're like, they're more interested in social media than they are in quote unquote factual news well and that's a great point because i don't know what the number is uh of people that get their their news or or think they're getting their news from social media there are people who think that they're getting news on on platforms such as tiktok or instagram facebook uh and that's crazy yeah, but that's an excellent point that that so many more millions of people are watching something on Twitter that you know they they work their butt off too for those three point two million viewers. 
So, you know, I, I just don't get the economics of it. So, um, so the, uh, the percentage of people who get their, uh, who claim to get their regular news from TikTok is 33%. <laughs> 33%. Yeah. Get their news from a communist owned. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even. I had it for a little bit, and I mean, it's pretty toxic. Um, well, then. so I, I, I got rid of it. Uh, and, and, you know, it's illegal for uh, government um, people to have it on like their work phones and stuff. Yeah. What does that tell you about an app? If government people can't have it on their phone, why is it okay for us to have it on ours? Because they don't care about you. <laughs> if you don't get well, it by yeah. now, they just don't. But here's, well, here's an interesting number. More than 8 in 10 U.S. adults say they get their news from a smartphone, computer, or tablet, often or sometimes including 60% who say they do so often. Well, so so there's a problem. I would go a step further, and I know that it's lost viewership too, Facebook. But I think Facebook people get more news off of Facebook than they do off of the networks. And what's really sad is that I think it's more accurate than the networks. Um, even with the fake stuff, I think Facebook, the news stories on there, especially if you post something or I post something, it's more apt to be true. If, you know, there's someone I think we both know who posts a lot of things that they're just reposting something they saw they don't have any idea if it's true or not. And a lot of that could be false news. Mm -hmm. So I don't put any weight in her posts. So, but still, once I consider the source and I know who it's coming from, I find that those Facebook stories are far more accurate than what's going on in the quote unquote mass media, yeah. because that stuff is just wrong. I mean, I, I said that a long time ago with respect to uh, if you want to know what is going on in the world, that the uh, Russian newspapers were a much more reliable source of information than ours. This was two, three years ago, four years a ago. A lot of people use uh, BBC, too. Yeah, it's just not near as accurate. No, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying, you know, that's another form yeah. of mass media. Yeah, so. yeah. Reuters just went in the trash. I mean, they're just, they're completely useless. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because USA Today and AP and all them used to be credible sources, but, but anymore, I mean, I, I put them up there with Wikipedia and TikTok. I mean, it even says on the internet. <laughs> I hate to say it, but TikTok, TikTok is not a reliable search engine for news. But yet 33% right. use it to get their news. 
Yeah, they're familiar with it. They know who the people are. So who knows? Maybe what maybe the things they're following is accurate. I have I don't know. I, I don't use that stuff. But uh, you know, I did for years I would get a, a English version of Pravda in the eighties. Um and you can, I think you can actually uh, subscribe to that now. I'm not sure. But I still have the habit of checking in on, on Pravda every now and then just to see what they say. And it's remarkable. You know, Putin actually told the truth about who blew up that pipeline. You know, he, it's like, our country didn't do that. Why would we want to do that? You know, whereas the Biden administration was trying to sell us on, oh, well, Russia did it. They blew up their own pipeline. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure they did. Sure they did. And yeah, the, tell and us the mass, And the mass media runs with it. And the, uh, yeah. you know, the small well, percentage of people that tune in or... You know, they, they blast that all, all over social media and all yeah. that. I mean, it's crazy. So they, the, the people that see that, because it's the only place they get their news from, what happens? They hear it enough, they start to believe it. Well, yeah, no, they used to be nothing but propaganda. But every now and then they would still have something that was worth paying attention to. So... If nothing else, even though you know it's propaganda and likely to be false, at least you know what the other side, I won't say the enemy now, they were in the 80s, but you know, at least you know what they deem to be important enough to lie about. So, you know, I just found it was an interesting way to learn from a different perspective what another country thought was important and re regardless of whether it was true or not. And yet I can look at Pravda articles from four years ago on international events. And those are more accurate than the New York times. Yeah. So. Well, the measure that they use, done. the measure that they use, which is crazy to me. Um, the most reliable news source is the Associated Press. <laughs> and, and here's what they start with, right? Here's their, okay. re here's their reasoning behind that. The renowned global news organization has 53 Pulitzer Prizes under its belt. Yeah, uh, some of which need to be returned because the, the, those Pulitzer Prizes that were awarded for the Russia collusion hoax, um, need to, they, they need to go back because it was a false story. Yeah. Um, so that 53 is probably a smaller number. <laughs> I don't know how many smaller it is, but, but it's probably smaller. Well, um, but, the, but, but it's crazy because they say it's one of the, the bastions of clear and unbiased news jur journalism and reporting is where many journalists seek out news stories to report on. Yeah, that's horseshit. It is horseshit, but isn't that, isn't that what... The, the epitome of what Trump says is that's fake news. Yeah. That's fake news. It absolutely is. See, people don't know what anything about who 
Pulitzer was. Yeah. So there, I find it astounding that the guy who basically started yellow journalism, you know, all the things that people don't like about journalism today are things that he started. False headlines, headlines in all capitals, you know, pretending something's a big deal, and yet you read the story and find out it's not. <laughs> but it's made up, you know, they're, 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 they're smearing uh, propaganda people. And it, he started fake news in, in the written word, and uh, yet he's treated in journalism as though he was some sort of uh, messiah or something. And what a, what a slime ball Joseph Pulitzer was. And, you know, his competition with William Randolph Hearst in New York basically was a race to the bottom. Neither one of those papers even existed uh, by the time they had both passed away. They, they, they contributed nothing to journalism. I mean, assuming journalism is a positive thing, um, I think practiced the way journalism used to be taught in the early part of this century. Uh, journalism is very valuable. It is worthwhile. Um, but it's not a reputable uh, business. I think I would rather get uh, my news from the streetwalker on the corner yeah. than the AP. I mean, seriously. Uh, no wonder Facebook's more Well, reliable. it's kind of like, you know, the, the fake news. Uh, it's, it's similar to asking an FBI agent to arrest another FBI agent. Yeah, the fake news is not going to call out the fake news. Well, precisely, because it it's not in their best interests. So, you know, they have this game going on, and they're they're trying to. No, they're lie very to similar. Us. They're very similar to our politicians. They're reading something yeah. that, that a producer wrote. They're not an, out investigating. No, they're patting themselves on the back. Is what they're doing. They're trying to legitimize their careers. Basically, they're lying to their mothers about what whores they are. Um, you know, seriously. I mean, they're not they're not anything to be proud about. These are some of the low biggest low lives in our country. Yeah. Or in quote unquote journalism. So, you know, 90% of that field is just trash. And I you know mean, what's funny about most of them? But no, too. no one called. No one really called them out, though, until Trump came along mm. as, a, as a presidential thing. Right. There was always this, you know, uh, pretension that, oh, yeah, these people are serious people over here. I'll, even Reagan did that, that game. But, you know, Trump finally came out against them. And we need more of that. The, these people are useless human beings. Um, but who, yeah. who is there, who is it that ho would, would hold them accountable for, for f fake news or, you know, I mean, MSNBC was one of the biggest, 
when it came to the Russian collusion hoax. Yeah. Like that for hours. From from morning Joe until freaking, you know, the last freaking show that anybody watched during prime time or late night. That's all they talked about. And uh but there's no there's no accountability. So it's it's very similar to to how our government is being run. They're all the same people. Yeah, they've got their hands in each other's pockets. So they're they're still pretending like like they're both legitimate. I mean, Al Gore brought Al Jazeera news to cable. A politician bringing a new news organization to cable. If that's not a clue that they work together? Yeah. I, I don't know what, what else you need. Well, and like them or not, Al Jazeera is, a, is way more accurate than the New York Times. Oh, probably so. Yeah, it, it's, it's remarkable. So... And I'm not saying that I advocate them the, or anything. It's just interesting to to watch them and get a different perspective. So what I, I don't mean, like even is like, we don't get different perspectives on things. Well, even like over at Fox News, Paul Ryan is one of the, the top dogs. Yeah. You know, what do you think is going to happen? You know, they're going to... If he's giving them marching orders, you know, they got to do what he says. They got to report the way he wants them to report. And, of course, you know, those instructions come from, uh, you know, the, what is it, the Murdochs or whatever. Isn't that their name? I don't even yeah. know anymore. I, I haven't had Fox in forever. Um, and if they if they have an issue with someone, like, Trump or whatever, they're they're certainly not going to give them any kind of fair reporting or or you know fair news coverage. Oh no, well, I think the Greg Gutfeld's probably the only person there I would have any interest in watching, and I I haven't watched any of it since the evening Tucker disappeared. Nothing. I haven't watched Fox News at all. Yeah, that was the only reason I, I, you know, regretted not having or or uh, keeping Fox News is because of him. That would be the only reason I would have ever watched. But I, I quit watching Fox News uh, the night of the election. And, well. and I tried a couple of times, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, these these are just not trustworthy people. You know they 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 broadcast this image. You know it's all about image, right? And they know that their base is conservative. Uh, but there are a lot of independents that probably watch Fox News too. And so the, all they're doing is they're they're repeating the same thing every hour that the people that they know are watching want to hear. Um, and they still do. 
Like when I go to the gym, it's on the it's on one of the televisions, the gym, and I read, you know, the closed captioning. It's like these people haven't changed. It's it's still the same thing. The same people saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Now, they they may lean to the right. And they may be the only station that, that's covering certain topics. But as Trump, like I said, Trump and some of the other politicians and some of these news journalists or, or you know, what are considered journalists, they don't go far enough. Like, they just stop short of some blockbuster story, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we've got to report on this, but we've got to walk on eggshells while we do it. You know, because we don't want to piss off the wrong people. We certainly don't want everybody knowing the, the whole truth. We'll just give them little bits here and there. So uh, I guess the question is, where would, other than what you've mentioned, where would you, where would you go? To, well, to get any type of news. Yeah, that's a great question, and I don't have an answer. I go to multiple places, and the sad thing is, is that, you know, we do our satire, and we make things up, you know, we make up false news, you know, just to, as a joke, basically. Mm -hmm. And yet, it turns out to be true. Yeah. That's and, the scary part to me. Well, that is scary because I, I'll say something just out of, oh, yeah, okay. next thing, you know, they'll be doing X, Y, Z. As though you know, there's any seriousness to it at all. And then all of a sudden there's X, Y, Z. And, oh, my gosh. So... You know, when things are that bad, then uh, maybe that's why Gutfeld is so popular, because he does that too. He'll just make things up, and then all of a sudden, it's true. And people like that, because you, you're thinking differently, you're talking differently, you're asking questions that are uncomfortable, but uh, people hadn't thought of. And I think that's what we need. And yet, I don't know where we go to for it. You know, it used to be comedy would do that. Um, there were always commentators or people who wrote columns like uh, Krautheimer and stuff who would have a unique uh, vision on things. I forgot um, all about him, man. That guy was smart. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. How, yeah. Um, but there was always some people out there running around who would, uh, I call them icon class. I look at myself as an icon class. That, you know, question everything. You know, if the if you're looking at an emperor who's not wearing clothes, then say the emperor's not wearing clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet there's a, there's a resistance to being truthful and I don't like that. I don't, I'm not interested in ideology or what have you. 
I'm interested in what is true, what is so. Um, and yet, if you can make up stuff, and it turns out to be more accurate than what is in the media, then there's something seriously wrong. Um, so, I don't know, I just used up a whole lot of words to say, I wish I knew the answer. <laughs> You know, maybe listen to us. You know? Well, yeah. Well, I, maybe that's why both of our listeners actually listen to us. Well, I think that's the point, right? Which is there isn't an answer, and that you should go to multiple sources, and you should check out, you know, even even the worst ones. Well, often. Yeah. Well, I mean, CNN, MSNBC, all of them. You know, it's it's not. If you simply just Google things, they're always going to pop up the, the the big dogs, right? USA Today, AP, uh, you know, MSNBC, ABC, CBS. But you have to dig a little deeper. And you have to get the opposing viewpoints. And you have to get the opposite side. And you have to look into all kinds of different things. And then what you do is you weed through the BS. And you draw your own conclusion Based on, you know, getting rid of all that, the white noise and, and, the, and the, the BS that usually comes along with any kind of report that you're reading. Uh, and stop, you know, stop basing your decision making on feelings, popularity, uh, or... Likeability. I, I think those th those three things can interfere with your judgment more than anything else. Well, that and the fact that it, again, human nature, uh, people people don't want to sit around listening to people who have views they disagree with. They want to hear their own opinion uh, repeated. Mm -hmm. So if they're if they're watching anything on cable, and it's not telling them something that they agree with, you know they'll give it another five to ten minutes, and if it continues, they just turn it off. Yeah, because you know they're like, oh, that's not true. Even if it is true, I'm not interested. I disagree. It shouldn't be that way. So, you know, the world of, oh, things should be different uh, takes over. And that's what's ruling the roost. Uh, you know, popularity of opinions rather than whether something is true. Uh, that isn't new either. I mean, that's always been there. And that's really why... You know, Walter Cronkite worked very effectively by pretending, you know, that guy was a leftist. Yeah. And yet he pretended as though he was some grandfatherly figure who was rational and uh, didn't have his own set of opinions that might interfere with his uh, shows and such. But... That's how he sold himself. That's how he sold his stuff as being worthwhile because of how he brought it about. He made it so that it was palatable to people as though it was true. 
Um, you know, he, that's what made him a good broadcaster. Mm-hmm. He, he, he spoke into the listening of his audience. He understood how they listened and he talked to them in a way that he could bring them news or information and they would listen because of how he brought it to them, even if they disagreed, because he was respectful. You know, that's how he operated, Um, which that's not how any of them operate now. Uh, But, you know, I don't know. uh, I I went there because he used to be considered a great journalist. I don't think he was a great journalist. I think he was just a really good broadcast. Um, I, I don't know that Tucker Carlson is the only great journalist that I would I would actually say, yeah, he he has a handle on what it really means to be a journalist. Uh, Charles Krautheimer was too. Um, and, and there's a few others. I mean, obviously, I'm slanted toward people who are more conservative or what have you. But really, I'm slanted toward people who uh, think differently. You know, Krautheimer was uh, a Democrat. Yeah. He was, he was a writer for Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. So... You know, he was a smart, he was a smart guy. Um, Carlson wasn't always as he is. I think he's more of a classical liberal than a conservative. But um, if he wants to call himself a conservative, fine. But the, the truth is, I don't think he, he sold himself as a conservative uh, until the last few years. Um, but he was always interesting. He always asked questions that other people didn't think of. And that's, that's the opportunity to learn. Whether I agree with them or not, whether I agree with what they're reporting or not, I'm learning something that I didn't know before. And that's what I hope we're doing, is bringing some things to both of our viewers or both of our listeners that they didn't know before they didn't know oh that that's a good question i don't like his answer but i'm going to go check it out right well how how wonderful that is yeah you know uh i i think that's making a positive contribution to mankind whether someone does look that up and agrees with us or not i couldn't care less I just am, I want people to be curious. Um, we just don't have enough of that. We have too many people trusting people who are not trustworthy. Um, and the only way to do, to overcome that is to want to learn so badly that we do the work ourselves. And yet, where do we? If, if, if the library is full of information, but the information is not true, then the library is useless. Google is useless. Mm-hmm. 
So someone who isn't educated broadly has a hard time reading or listening to something and knowing that, boy, that's off. Something there, like we were talking about the, the situation with Grassley and that 1023 mm-hmm. the other day. And he, he forced the FBI into uh, bringing that 1023 out, and even though it was redacted. Well, so why didn't anyone else think of, why didn't he just do it himself? You know, he has the unredacted version. Why didn't he do it? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It you seems know? like think people... Of, think of those things. Yeah, right? why aren't why aren't these people uh I mentioned it with with Trump, with some reporters, with other politicians. Why don't they follow through? I mean, don't half-ass do something. If you're going to do it, do it right and do it all the way. So who is it that they're protecting or or what is it are they protecting themselves? Are they saying, okay, well, I'm only going to go so far because, you know, I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want to make anybody angry. Because the American people deserve more than that. So, as like I said before, you know, Trump only goes so far, and I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, finish it off. What are you waiting on? You know? Mm-hmm. I see that with other politicians or, or you know, during hearings or whatever, and, and they're... I, I know I can't be smarter than them, although I know I am. But I'm thinking, you're not very fast on your feet. You're a politician. You're somebody that's supposed to be an elite, right? You're the, you're the consummate professional and the expert. If I'm thinking, why didn't you follow that question and that response with this, maybe you're not that smart. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just don't want to go that far. But why not? Yeah. What's holding you back? Yeah, I don't or, understand. Or who is holding you back? That's, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, why yeah. do I, I can't be I can't be the only one that's screaming at the television right now or, you know, at my phone or, or at an article or whatever saying, why didn't you go here with that? Why did you stop short? And, and like you said, who is it you're protecting? Why... What is it you're protecting? I don't get it. And so the cynical part comes out, and it's like, well, it's because they're protecting their own. Even though they're fighting on television, as soon as they get done, they're, they're having drinks and dinner down the street at some you know restaurant together. Yeah. You know, because we don't know what they do behind closed doors. We don't know how they, they treat each other. We don't know what they talk about. We don't know what they say to each other when they go out for cocktails. We don't know any of that stuff. I'm no, not saying there's that no we one need covering to. it. I'm not saying that we... Well, you know, do we need to? I, I don't know. But if it's something that pertains to our lives, I think we, we absolutely should. Well, I have no problem with the concept of having... Uh, here I am with the militia again, but militia media. You know? Yeah. There, There's no reason that... We can't have a militia in uh, 435 districts 
of the United States. You know, every everything that is the House of Representatives. Why isn't there at least one militia in every House district? Um, and one of those things is media, you know, truth in media or our own media. You know, how about we have a podcast, a radio show, a whatever in every single house district that is all about what is important today? What, you know, I'm just making this up off the top of my head, but it it sounds like a good idea. Why, Why do we have to have something that is ABC, NBC, CBS, you know? Why don't we have alternative uh, news sources that are in every house districts and and they communicate with uh, armed militia? How about we have armed militia or unarmed? I don't care. And they have crime statistics that they can talk uh, about with media, private media and uh discuss well why are why are we having a surge in this kind of crime you know how about this guy oh oh i just went off the track here how about this guy uh, fredo in florida the the police director who uh was uh he tried to shoot himself on the interstate yesterday did you hear about that no i sure didn't yeah he's the uh police director in uh miami day and he's up at some conference in tampa and has a fight with his wife and he's i don't know waving a pistol around or whatever at this conference and they let him go because he's the police director of of course yeah so he gets in his car he's driving down the road and he pulls over the shoulder and uh shoots himself in the head (laughs) yeah who knew well it's such a bad shot that he's still alive (laughs) jesus so you know you know, I, I call him Fredo. His name's Alfred. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, that's good, close enough to Fredo for me. You shoot yourself in the head with a duty weapon. Is it Alfredo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he's obviously not Italian, you know, but a genie. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the Olive Garden version of Alfredo. Probably so. I shouldn't be making fun of him either because I, <laughs> no, I know I, that's a I, bad I, thing. But, you know, some things are just, seriously? The police director of Miami Day, he's he's in law enforcement like 30 years or something like that. And he's driving down the road, pulls over, shoots himself in the head, and he's still alive. How does that happen? So, you know, maybe it's not a popular he thing He wasn't to serious ask, and he didn't follow through. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't committed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know that's why. Why isn't that all over the place? You know. So how about we have a a, a news source that follows the house districts instead of a city, and 
you know, make up something. I don't know. Well, maybe, you know, that's, maybe interesting. This that's was an a interesting. Good idea. Yeah, it's know. an interesting idea. It's similar to uh, when they were doing the um, house phone on Speaker of the House. Yeah. And I, I was watching it. I don't remember what platform I was watching it on, but but I heard someone ask a question. So they had p cameras positioned all over the, the house floor. And I didn't know this. But even C-SPAN used to do that. You know, when yep. they'd have votes and stuff? Yep. Now they only... But they, they changed somewhere along the line. I don't remember when it was. But they only have two cameras. And, and most of the time, it's one is trained on the speaker's chair, and the other one is on the podium where everybody speaks. They don't show the gallery. They don't show, you know, the the... The, the seats where all the, the representatives sit. And I'm like, I never even, it never dawned on me that that changed. But they were talking about how, how cool it was to be able to see all the interactions and the people running around and, and all the, you know, again, how, how this is what democracy looks like, right? This is what real democracy looks like. You know, Damn everybody saying, oh, it's, you know, taking too long. And how many votes do we have to go through? And, and how many times do these people have to negotiate? Well, I mean, that's what we want. You know, we can't sing Kumbaya every day. There needs to be some disagreement and some division. For, for, for a real government to function properly, right? We, don't, we can't agree all the time. Well, and yeah. So it's healthy debate and discussion and, 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 and uh, you know, what's going on. But more importantly, why, why are we only seeing two angles anymore? Why aren't we? And, and here's the mm -hmm. reason. Because yeah. most of the time, they're not there. Yeah. So, so they quit showing the gallery and, and where the representatives sit because nobody else is there. Like just the people, they come in and they speak and they leave. Like the only time that the, the the house floor is ever full is when there's a major vote that goes on, or or maybe the the state of the union. Other than that, they're never there. No. So you may see Representative Chip Roy come up to the podium and give a speech and and filibuster or whatever they do and whatever the topic is. And he happens to be the only person there other than the uh, uh, president in charge. That's it. Maybe a couple other people, some aides, you know, recorder, clerk recorder, whatever. And that's it. There's nobody else in there. He's speaking to two people. Yeah. So it's all show and tell. Again, show and tell. Like, that's... That's really what we, you know, our tax dollars pay for and what we really get because nobody else is listening to what he has to say. He's talking to himself. Well, what they basically, all they're doing is giving themselves clips for the news to put on TV. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chief Roy gave him hell. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, gave who actually, hell? There's nobody there. Yeah. No one was there. Yeah. So, so I, I learned something, and, and again, that's something that, you know, most people aren't really going to pay attention to and probably don't care about.
But I'm like, man, I never thought of that. And never knew the, the history behind that. So it was something interesting to learn. But it was more interesting to me of the reason why they do that. Because the son of a bitches aren't working. No. Now, I get they have to be back at, you know, in their districts and, and you know, having their little town halls or whatever they do. I mean, maybe they're just at home. Um, so I get they can't always be there at the same time and, and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, most of the time, like I said, they're, they're speaking to nobody. And, and the only time it's ever heard or seen is if it's like something really controversial or, you know, like you said, soundbite for television. Well, if... Because not only is the news station getting the ratings, but so is the guy who they just put on the show, the, the politician. So if one house district did that, covered it with, let's say, four or five cameras... Uh, only once a year or less. You know, you have 435 districts and 365 days, and they're not in session anywhere near that. So let's say they, let's say you had it to where uh, they only had to cover it once uh, every couple of years, and you rotated it uh, amongst all of the house districts that had media that wanted to, like you and I are there for one day. Mm -hmm. And we get to talk about whatever these cameras are doing or whatever and make fun of them or whatever we want to do. I don't care. Well, that's a, that's a pretty valuable contribution to be making to our society. Yeah. Because it's not being done now. So how about that as an idea? I'll bet you though, how much you want to bet? that there is some sort of house rule that allows X amount of number of cameras and what they can show or, or whatever. I bet you there's some sort of rule to, well, pre to, prevent, to prevent what we're talking about. Well, there could be. It's just that uh, then you'd be clashing against what the intent of the Constitution is. So, you know, again, if you have enough people banding together and they're maybe they don't agree with one another, which is fine. It's nice to have disagreements because you actually have to listen to one another and sometimes you learn things. So what if out of those 435 districts, there's some pushback? And says, uh, no, we're going to file a class action suit because that's not constitutional. You have to allow us to do that. You can't just limit coverage to NBC or whatever, C-SPAN, whatever. So yeah, what, what, what did I we're, just say? We're militia, and oh, by the way, we're armed. I mean, I think they're. I think those cameramen are entitled to have... Uh, to be militia, and uh, they're allowed to carry arms. So get this. What did I just say? <laughs> I, just, I just put in what is the, the House of Representative, Representatives rules on cameras. 
Uh -huh. <laughs> and listen to this. Those are owned and operated by the federal government. According to House rules from when cameras were first installed, they are restricted to head-on shots of members at the podium and committee tables, and they are prohibited from taking reaction shots or shots of the chamber. Why? Where's the transparency? Yeah. There is no such thing as transparency in government. Understand yeah. that right now. Yeah. I don't think there's any way they can forbid what I'm talking about. But isn't that something they are owned and operated by the federal government? Right. That's once even, again, that's once again they're policing themselves. They're they're not allowing yeah. they're not allowing any any unbiased and and no. other sources to go in there and see what they're doing. Well, that's what propagandists do. They control it now, and even C-SPAN doesn't do it. Because they were they were getting embarrassed because no one was working. But I don't think they can forbid it. I mean, they could certainly try and probably would try. However, I think if, uh, if there's pushback by... Uh, a whole lot of house districts wanting to do what I'm talking about, and they're armed, by the way. And I was correct. I, I listen. I, I, sorry, but I had I have to I have to read this because I was correct, and I and I kind of semi made it up. <laughs> so two angles are typically broadcast by C-SPAN from government-operated cameras. A wide shot showing the full speaker's dais and a medium shot of a re of, uh, representative delivering a speech. Additional cameras from C-SPAN and the press pool, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and Fox, are allowed on the floor only for major events like the State of the Union and joint sessions of Congress. Mm -hmm. They are, however, routinely allowed outside the chamber throughout the Capitol building uh, on the grounds outside in nearby and congressional office buildings. What are they hiding? Why is that? It didn't used to be that way. No. Um, well, democracy dies in the dark, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. So, you know, there, there are reasons we're not a free country anymore. And, you know, that, that, that itself is not the reason, but that's a symptom. This so, is interesting, too. Listen to this. Representative Pocan introduced the Leave the Cameras On resolution calling on the House to allow C-SPAN to operate its own cameras and film freely within the chamber, just as it did the first week of January. <laughs> is that, is yep. that, <laughs> that's something right there. Yeah, well. Nobody, somebody reading that wouldn't catch, you know, isn't going to catch that right off. The first week of January. Why was it important that all the cameras were there the first week of January? Interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah, they want to control what people can see and can't see. And all that stuff that supposedly happened on uh, the 6th that did not happen. Well, this um, was for the, the speaker boat. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, there, and other people aren't disagreeing with what I'm saying. John Stewart, who is not a, you know, he's not a fan of conservatives, said that <laughs> the coverage of C-SPAN on the uh, vote for Speaker of the House was worthy of an Oscar. But we want to see our government in action, do we not? I mean, that's transparency, well, and, and I don't we, understand we why. We have a right to. We certainly we do. Want to or not, we have a right Yeah. Yeah. So we're just not asserting our rights. And what you don't assert uh, can be taken away from you without you even knowing about it. So, you know, I'm, I'm just proposing another way to push back. I'm not saying that it's a great idea, but it's an idea. No, but this is this is another topic for people to just stop and think about, right? Well, sure. You know, that they may not have thought of uh, uh, because they weren't watching or didn't know anything about what we're discussing. So it's just, you know, we, we, we just want people to think for themselves and, you know, understand a little bit about what's going on. But I think yep. we'll wrap it up there, Ron. We're at three hours, brother. Yeah, it's time to have an extended have a version of an inquiry into freedom. Oh, <laughs> that's for sure. But we okay. we covered a lot of a lot of ground and had some decent conversations. So, you know, hopefully people will stick with it and uh, and um, check us out on an inquiry into freedom dot com. Mm -hmm. And we will see you today is Tuesday the twenty fifth. We'll see you on Thursday. And in the meantime, I got a call, a message came in while we were talking that I just looked at my my email. I get phone calls and stuff via email because it's all recorded. Smart. While you were talking, I thought, well, I'll look at this. Yeah, it screens out stuff that's spam and all that, and I can block numbers and all. Well, it's from the Harley uh, dealer because there was a problem with work they did on my bike mm -hmm. and i'm thinking you know uh it's interesting they called me back today uh because between last week and today i happened to notice that uh well they they can sell uh alcohol at grocery stores here i don't know if they can there but wine but nothing no hardly wine okay so there was a case of budweiser that i noticed in the uh, whatever the refrigeration thing is. And this this thing of Budweiser has, it's regular Budweiser, it's not Bud Light, it's the Budweiser that's the fattening kind, I guess. But lo and behold, there's a advertisement from Harley-Davidson on there. Something about Harley-Davidson endorsing whatever Bud's doing. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe I don't need that Harley anymore. 
I don't want to be known as a Bud Light person. Well, I'll tell you what they're doing. And Harley Davidson, they called on them. And um, Tunnel to Towers or some veterans organization. Because they want to present themselves as being part of Americana. And, and try to rebrand themselves after the, the whole incident with the transgender, uh, you know, stuff. So they're, they're on a new, you know, they, they got rid of the CEO and all this other stuff. And so they're on a rebranding campaign to try and salvage, you know, the billions of dollars that they've lost. I mean, there, there's been uh, some of the stakeholders that have, you know, thought about filing a, law, a, a class action lawsuit against them for uh, damaging their, uh, their own product. And yeah. you know, costing the stakeholders, um, you know, money that they they didn't they didn't have any say so in it. Yeah, the shareholders matter now. And yeah, and so. So um, I, I I didn't mean to interrupt your. No, no, it's up. all good. Well, I just I that, just that's interesting. That. That's oh yeah, all right, David. So I I guess I need to sell that mic. Yeah, they're yeah. literally paying these organizations to uh, to help them. Ooh, you suppose we could get them to pay us? Uh, you know, if they we could, us, if we could be like Darth Darth uh, Brooks <laughs> and be a be a sellout. You know, ooh. I guess a, everybody has a price, right? Yeah, I, they won't pay mine. Mine either. Yeah, because I'd have, be like, you need to put Trump on your your uh, beer can. Oh, yeah. See what a who would have thought of that? Okay, well I'll uh, stop rambling. I'm obviously tired, and yeah, I need me to too. Go away. Okay. Okay, I'll talk to you Thursday. Have a good uh, couple days. Yeah, hasta luego. All right, bye bye. Mm -hmm. Bye.